and just dive in, do my Richard Branson impression, get a rubbish beard and a big jumper. Um, <laughs> Hot air balloon, whatever. that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future, but rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing John Lamerton. Joe was approached to invite John onto the podcast by his PR assistant and she was really pleased to connect with him. In fact, they were amazed to find they didn't know each other already as they have business friends in common. Former civil servant John Lamerton has run more than 60 small businesses since 2000, making millions of pounds and thousands of mistakes along the way. A former hustler, he now describes himself as a lazy entrepreneur and investor. He balances running an ambitious lifestyle business with raising two young children. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing John Lamerton, author of Big Ideas for Small Businesses. So welcome, John. Great to have you with me. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Lovely. So start by telling us uh, what you do, who you are, what you do. Cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm a former civil servant. Um, started my first small business way back in 2000. Um, it was the height of the the internet, the first dot-com boom. Mm-hmm. And I was wowed by these stories of these sort of 20-something-year-old kids who had an idea and were suddenly worth millions. And I thought, yep, I could do with some of that. I absolutely hated my job as a civil servant at the time. And I thought, yeah, I, I could do this. I could actually, you know, I could run the, one of these businesses. I could be an internet marketer. Um, with that. Um, so number one, I knew nothing about marketing. Uh, number two, I knew nothing about the internet. Uh, number three, I didn't even own a computer. So <laughs> Apart from that, that, it was all fine. Well, it makes it a little bit difficult, doesn't it, to actually run an internet marketing business. So uh, I borrowed my, now my in-laws, at the time my girlfriend's parents' computer, uh, borrowed their internet connection and picked up a copy of Internet Marketing for Dummies. Um, if ever there was a book that was written for me, it was that one. Um, but I, I was quite aware that I knew nothing. And I then embarked on a, a very, very long period of self-discovery um, to basically teach myself how to get traffic, how to monetize that traffic, how to build websites, how to actually build an audience. And eventually, about 18 months later, managed to leave the day job. Um, Since then, I've launched about 60 different businesses, very, very different sectors. We've sold office space and um, private villa rentals, um, destination guides for the Algarve in Florida. We've sold mobile phone insurance. Pretty much you name it, and we've done it online over the last kind of 17 years. A and true it came online to a... marketer, I would say, by the sound of it. <laughs> well, exactly. I think a lot of that stems from 
back in the day, I keep saying back in the day, but sort of the, the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, it was very, very easy to actually make money online because yeah. I could have an idea on the Monday, um, knock a literally a one-page crappy-looking website together on the Tuesday and be number one on Google by the Wednesday. Yeah. Um, hence, we went into very different sectors. So I just, I'd have an idea. I'd spot an available domain name. I'd knock a website up. Oh, there we go. We've now got uh, a 100,000-page website, um, which is getting millions of visitors a year, all in the dating niche. And it's like, okay, we just do that. And then we do some floristry. And then we do, you know, I'd, I'd have a chance conversation with someone and they'd mention that there's a good market for private villa rentals in Kissimmee in Florida. Okay, right, there we go. That's another niche. And I just went off down these paths. Yeah. Um, creating all these micro businesses. It's not so easy now. Um, so we've settled into about three different businesses at the moment. So at the moment I run a sports betting business, a property investment business, and a telesales, uh, outsourced telesales business. So I've really concentrated on those three now. Um, and about yeah, about 18 months ago now, I, we got the main business, which is the sports betting business, up to the point where it was running itself. So myself and my fellow director, we always had this plan. We would just become shareholders of this business, not involved with the day-to-day running at all. And we got to the point about 18 months ago where that actually happened. And we didn't realize it until literally I went on holiday, he went on holiday, and we had this little handover meeting to see what hit what had hit the fan over the previous two weeks and turned out nothing had hit the fan because all the systems and all the processes and everything we'd set up worked brilliantly and oh we've achieved it we've we've got our baby working without us and we had this kind of two or three weeks of euphoria followed by the grieving process of like when your your eldest child leaves for university and you think oh that's great they're going to university oh, they don't need me anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, they're, they're becoming an adult. Oh, no, that, that era is over. And it just, a little bit of mourning there. So I was chatting to one of my mentors just after that, and he said, well, why don't you write a book? He said, you've got time on your hands now. You've got these fantastic stories. You've got all these lessons you've learned from running these 60-odd businesses. Why don't you write a book? Right, said, yeah. Oh, always fancy writing a book. Um, he said, well, do it. You've got time. He said, there's no other time than right now to do this because if you don't do it now you're going to find something else to fill your time with and sure enough I have Mm. um so literally I I set aside the next six months and said okay I'm going to write this book um and that is what became um big ideas for small businesses um we started working with a few other other small businesses here in Plymouth as well around my kitchen table um, just to see if we could help them, really. Um, I've always enjoyed helping other small business owners. And I think yeah. that stems from me, you know, having done, having worked in all these different sectors. Um, I keep, I mean, one of the chapters in the book, I, I talk about not being Richard Branson because everyone wants to be Richard Branson and they want to own an airline and a, um, a drinks company and a radio station and, a, and a, a bank and a mobile phone company and a, you know, mail order stuff and it's like oh you know you need to actually focus on one thing and this this enables me though by doing mentoring and by writing the book and actually putting together you know helping other small businesses it gives me a chance to be Richard Branson and delve into these businesses and think what would I do if I was running this business oh I know what I'd do I'd, I'd move that part over there I'd do a marketing campaign based around this and then I can walk away at the end of the day 
I'm not actually bogged down in the day-to-day running of any of these companies. Um, And that I think is is the key thing for me is I can just dive in, do my Richard Branson impression, get a rubbish beard and a big jumper. Um, hot air balloon, well, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, sort of these days, it's more intergalactic. He's he's, he's finished with a hot air balloon, there, isn't he? He's, he's off to he's off to the moon next, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. So, a lot of changes over the last seventeen, sort of eighteen years. If we think about the corporate bit to begin with, as well. Um, why do you do what you do, and and has that changed over over this time? I think yeah, it's definitely changed over that time. Um, my three drivers for why I do what I do are definitely family, fun, and growth. I, I'm, I am numbers driven. Um, I do want to grow my business. I no longer want what I wanted, yeah. say, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was running a very, very big business. I, was, I had ambitions to be, to be the next Richard Branson, to be the next Alan Sugar. You know, I was building a 100 million pound company. Um, I was going to have, you know, my own private yacht and my own helicopter and a skyscraper with my name on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the business I was building. And then all of a sudden kids came along and that suddenly literally overnight changed what I wanted. Um, yeah, I very, very strongly remember the day that I found out Sarah was pregnant and coming home and selling all my stock portfolio and say, right, I can't do that aggressive strategy anymore. I am now, I'm no hunter gatherer, you know, I, it is now my job to provide, me provide for family. <laughs> uh, but I remember that mindset literally changed it on the minute I found out that Sarah was pregnant. Mm. Um, and there's um, a story again, I tell in the book about 12 months later when I've got this three month old baby at home and I'm sat in an MOT garage reading Alan Sugar's autobiography. And there was this line in the book and it said, I never really saw my kids when they were growing up. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my God, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm trying to emulate this guy. I'm trying to follow in his footsteps. And he wasn't around for his kids. Mm-hmm. What, what an ass! <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, that's, that's not what I want. And then I remembered Richard Branson's book. And I'd come home and I'm flicking through this. And all of a sudden I see, again, a very similar line in his book. Um, you know, I was never really there much for Holly and Sam when they were little oh my god yeah. and i just realized yeah of course they weren't that, that's how they built these massive businesses they devoted their lives to building these huge conglomerates mm-hmm. and i don't want that. i don't you know poof, in that instant i no longer wanted the skyscraper with my name on the side the yacht and the helicopter they all vanished and all i wanted then was to be at every assembly every sports day you know anytime they're ill i, I want to be there for them i mean literally as soon as we finish this podcast interview, I'm off. I'm doing the school run. I'm going to be there at the school gates picking the two boys up. And that's all, that's all I really wanted out of my business. Mm. How old Until are you? Until the came along. Uh, they are eight and six. So, so just to tell you, ironically, <laughs> as they get older, they will start moaning that you don't do all the things that you think you do for them. <laughs> my daughter's yeah. 11 and she's, she was having a, a moan the other day. And I was like, oh my goodness, if you knew what most parents don't do with their children because they go to work and they're not at home and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, like you, uh, you know, a big thing for me is, is, is Ellie. And that's why I started a business and gave up the corporate life in the first place. But does she, yeah. does she appreciate it at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I think deep down she does, but actually, 
Yeah, but once, once the hormones have stopped kicking in, you might get some appreciation. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, so how do you prioritise what you do now based on what you've just said? You know, it is about the children. It is about having a different um, sort of life to, to perhaps how you might have imagined it 10, 15 years ago. How, how do you uh-huh. make that work? Uh, I think it all started for me about about nine months after Jack was born. Um, so he started nursery in the July. He was born in the previous uh, August. And so the plan was he would start nursery in the July, and then Sarah would go back to work part-time. She would work uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, so I would take him to nursery on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. She would, do, um, she would look after him on a, on a Thursday, Friday. So the plan was I would go from, you know, I previously worked every hour normal. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I now, I now had 25 hours a week. You know, I, I literally, I'd get up with Jack on a Monday morning. Um, I'd spend the morning with him. He would then go to nursery. Um, and I'd, I'd know right one o'clock in the afternoon, I've got to pick him up from nursery. So if I've only got two hours in which to get, stuff done i'm not going to get everything that i previously did in my typical 14 hour day done (laughs) so what i started doing was i started applying the old 80 20 principle and i I figured well okay i've got 20 percent of the time roughly that i used to have so i will just do the 20 percent of things that bring in 80 percent of the results ergo i will then have 80 percent of the revenue i can live on 80 percent of what i had before that's absolutely fine um, and what I very quickly discovered was actually I didn't get 80% of the results. I got about 150% of the results. Wow. And I thought, well, that's strange. So I'm working literally 20 to 25% of what I was working and I'm earning more money. How on earth did that happen? And it was just that realization that, well, I stopped, I stopped messing around. I stopped refreshing my stats. I stopped checking emails. I stopped browsing Facebook. Um, and I started just doing marketing campaigns or just writing a sales letter um, or just doing something that I know is going to bring in sales, traffic, revenue. Um, by only doing those 80-20 principles and by saying, right, I'm only going to focus on the 20% of things that bring me in 80% of the results. And by not doing anything else, I actually had better results. So what I now do is I start off, I don't, I've never written a to-do list I now write my could-do list. So I have a nice, I start with a blank sheet of paper and I just brain dump everything that I could do in my business. I mean, literally, I do this once every three months. Um, I've actually started it today because um, I run to uh, normally a 90-day go-setting period. So my next three-day go-set, uh, three-day, that would be nice, three-month <laughs> go-setting period are March, April, and May. So I'm now planning for those those three months. So I'm now sat here with a, a blank sheet of A4, and I'm just writing down everything that I could do in the next three months to move my business forward, to move the needle forward, to grow the revenues, to grow long-term, grow the value of my companies. But I'm writing these down knowing that actually I probably won't do 80% of them. I will just cherry-pick them. But I'm, I'm brain-dumping them. They're all written down. Uh, they're all documented, which means they're not swimming around my brain going, Hmm, what was that idea I had once? Something to do with podcasting. I can't remember. No, it, no it's written down it's there. What I then do once I've completed my brain dump is I decide, right, what am I going to do 
in the next 90 days? Give me three big things that I'm going to do in the next 90 days. So at the moment, I've got two of my three. I've not finished my brain dump yet, but I know I'm, I've got to hire an MD for one of our businesses because we want to exit that business and we want to actually put a management team in place. And I've got a new product launch, which is happening in May. So I need to reverse engineer that. So those, those are two of my three things that I need to do. But of, you know, those are two of, so far, about 25 things that I've written down. So two questions drop out of that for me. One of them is how do you decide what those three are out of those 20-odd? So what, what is the 80-20 um, decision? How do you do that? Uh, to me, it comes very, very easily. I honestly, as I go through and I start brain dumping, it, they do leap out at me. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of know, I know which one's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck. Now, I've gone through this with some of our clients where they've, they've done the brain dump, they've written down their could-do list, and then they think, great, what the hell do I do now? They're, just, they're looking at this list and they cannot prioritize it. And what I've often advised them to do is, okay, look at each one and just attribute a one, a two, or a three to it. So if it's a one, that's a big one. That That is going to make a significant difference to your bottom line revenue in the next three months. It's going to bring sales in now. It's going to mean a seismic shift to your revenue. Number two, that could make a big difference or it will make a small difference. And number three is, yeah, that'd be nice. And then you discard the threes, you discard the twos and you look at the ones. Mm. And then you're okay. If you've still got, if you've still got seven that are ones, you've then got to order those seven and cull the bottom four. Yeah. For me, I, I only want to focus on three things at a time. Now it's not to say you can't achieve more, but you've got to work out what the most important ones are. Yeah. Too many people are are very busy and they fill their time with lots of threes because the threes are the easy one. Yeah. You remind me, um, talking about that, of Tim Ferriss because I think he very much focuses on the 80-20 thing and it's reminded me also of an annual review uh, process that I've actually written down and not done anything with yet (laughs) that he recommended. And he said to go back over your last year week by week and do two columns, one was – people you've met and interacted with that have created positive results since and yeah. the other one is the opposite and once mm-hmm. you've done that for the whole of the previous year to then take obviously the the people and, and the, the things that worked really well and do more of those and obviously drop the things that didn't sort of thing and I guess that's adding back into that 80-20 thing uh, it is as well. the success, isn't mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. um, it's funny you say about Tim Ferriss um, when I got back from the MLT garage the very next book I read was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Right. <laughs> which suddenly taught me, oh, yeah, 80-20 principles. Let's yeah. outsource. Let's automate. Let's put systems and processes in place. You know, yeah. that book was phenomenal for me. It was it really was a game changer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So my next question then was, um, once you've done that, you've identified your top three things, how does that then turn into the action, into the stuff that you do in those 25 hours a week or however many it is now? So the process I take then is I take my big three. These are the three things that I want to achieve in the next quarter. I then break those down into stepping stones, normally three stepping stones per month. These are the stepping stones that lead towards those big three. So for example, I've got a product launch, let's say coming in May. So if I reverse engineer that, May is launch the product. April is going to be uh, gather beta testers, put together 
testimonials. Uh, and March is going to be get the website sorted. That happens 90 days from now. But I've got the stepping stones in place. So I know actually what am I doing this month that's going to keep me going forward. Yeah. Then I break it down further and I've got my weekly plan. So every week I print off, uh, I've got a bright orange sheet in front of me and it's got everything that I want to do on there, but it's got one item, which is a red box and just says this week's one thing is, and I've got one item in that box. And that's all I aim to do that week is achieve one thing that leads towards one of those stepping stones. Yeah. That lead was one of my big three. So every single week I'm doing something that gets me towards one of those big three goals. Okay. So how do you then minimize the uh, sort of worry, concern, hassle of all the million and one other things you could be doing <laughs> on the basis that you have this one, one thing to do. So if, when, when, when we hear people talking about these sorts of systems, the, it sounds perfect, doesn't it? It sounds like, um, you know, wow, that all seems so straightforward. And then, you know, real life hits that sort of structure. How, how does that then operate? How does it play out from your perspective? Um, it takes a little bit of practice. The, the chaos that comes along um, with this kind of process, you've got to be able to accept that you're going to, at some point, have 200 unread emails in your inbox. <laughs> Yeah, um, you're going to you know you're going to open up Facebook one day and discover that the uh, notification. You know, you've got to be able to accept and deal with. Okay, some stuff's going to hit the fan, and mm. some stuff's going to break. But this isn't the stuff that matters. Um, it's not the important stuff. Mm. Um, a lot of what I do, particularly like with the emails, for example, is I, I set expectations. Um, we used to have a guy who worked for us. And he, was, he wasn't very effective, and he was forever moaning that he didn't have enough hours in the day. And I remember this all came to a head one, one time when I suggested he did a time audit and said, like, well, let's look at where you're actually spending your time. You know, let's, every 15 minutes, let's set off, a, set off an alarm and write down what you've actually done. No, no, I don't need to do that. You're all right. Okay, I know why that is, because every time I email you, you reply instantly. Yeah. Every time I send you a Facebook message, boom, I get a reply within a minute. Mm. So that tells me you are not deeply engrossed in the work that I'm giving you. You're flitting around. Yeah. You know, you've probably got the TV on on one screen and you've got your email open in another screen and you've got your phone handy there and you've got Facebook open on this screen and you're not actually focused on what you're doing. So yeah, something's got to give. Um, it just as well be the stuff that doesn't matter because the alternative to that is you do all the stuff that doesn't matter and the big stuff gets away. I mean, we've all heard the, the analogy of the jar, I think yeah. with the pebbles and the stones and the sand and the, the water, but it, that's what I do with my diary is I just literally, you know, every, every week I get my weekly planner out and I put in the immovable objects. So I've got obviously our podcast interview today. I've got a team meeting tomorrow. I've got, um, another podcast interview on Thursday after uh, Thursday morning, rather, and then I've got a meeting on Friday. Those things are blocked out. On my one thing, I've got get the sales letter written for this day. So that's done. I've already done that this week. I've, I've beaten the week. What I can then do is if I put these immovable objects in, I can put 
the, the, the minutiae, the sand around those mm. to fit. And then if there's room, you know, we go back to the could-do list. And I, you know, if, I, if I've done what I need to do this week to move me towards my number one go, and yet there's one of those number threes, that yeah, that'd be nice. That's a really quick one. Yeah, go on. I've, I've got space on Wednesday afternoon. I can fit that in. Mm. I can still do stuff from my could-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I will do, um, and I've got, actually got it on my list for today, is I will schedule on my, on my planner stuff. And I will just write down, I'm having a stuff hour. <laughs> That's one of my and favorite words. <laughs> and all I will do in that hour is I will go in my email inbox. I will check the Facebook notifications. I'll deal with the, the post that's come. All the stuff that, that everyone else does all day long, every day. Hmm. But I would just say, no, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let that pile up and I'm going to let my inbox get over full. And then once every three or four days, I'll have a stuff hour. Hmm. And I'll just go through it. A lot of that, a lot of the emails will have actually sorted itself anyway. Um, we create the expectation. Let's say that guy who always replied within minutes um, was clearly sat there waiting to reply. If someone sends me an email, it's typically four or five days before I reply. Yeah. Um, if it's my accountant, it's normally longer because like, oh, I actually need to go into numbers and <laughs> open up paperwork for that. Yeah. I think, I think the longest I've taken to get back to them is three and a half weeks. It's like, sorry, it's been a little while, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I managed to get time to my priority list, you see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Lovely. Yeah. So I guess it always comes back to that discipline and that, that having a, a plan and, and then, and then sticking to it, isn't it? Um, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that intention. So, um, tools that you use um i guess you you probably do use some i, I imagine less than i might have imagined now i've spoken to you <laughs> yeah definitely I, i'm i am a huge fan of pen and paper um you know if i'm looking around me now i've got at least three or four bits of paper that i use to plan my week i do use um i mean in terms of apps probably audible is my go-to app on a daily basis it's just always there it's always on um, I've also recently discovered something called Brain Toss, and I love Brain Toss. I don't know if you've come across this. No, before. tell me more. <laughs> oh, it's, it's honestly, it's a game changer. Um, so, you're out walking the dog, or you're off sledging with the children because we've got, or you've got snow. We haven't done here yet. <laughs> you're just jealous. And you suddenly have that killer idea. Oh my God, I need to do this. Yep. What do you do? Hmm. So at the moment, what I do is I whip out my phone and I open up Brain Toss. Yeah. And I press the microphone button and I talk to Brain Toss and I say, I've just had a brilliant idea. What we need to do is I need to speak to Dave and we're going to get this up and running and that's a potential joint venture. But then I need to speak to Adrian about that. Um, remind me to do that on Thursday morning. Brain Toss then emails an MP3 recording of everything I've just said together with a transcription to me. Ooh. So it's sat in my inbox whenever I'm ready to do it. I can send a uh, voice attachment. I can type. I can send images. So quite often, I, you know, if, I, if I am, if I do happen to be browsing the Facebook, which I don't tend to browse, but if I am on Facebook and I see something that needs my attention and I go, oh, my God, I'm never going to remember that tomorrow when, I need to, when I'm actually at my desk, I need to action it. Screenshot, brain toss, it's in my inbox. It's there. It's ready for me. Mm. Um, fantastic i think it costs about two quid 
Um, but it's, I've been using it for a year now. It was recommended to me and I, I just, I absolutely love it because dog and now literally I just, I run, you know, the amount of times I've run out the sauna, grab my phone, brain toss, right, remember this, boom, done, straight yeah. back in again. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yes, I'm liking that one. I'll have to check that one out. Thank you. <laughs> any <Welcome. laughs> any others? Any other revelations for me? <laughs> no, I think I, yeah, I am a big fan. I mean, Jason, my business partner, has tried to introduce me to things like Trello or Slack. Um, I, I just don't get on with it at all. Mm. Um, you know, I, we do have Trello boards. Um, I'm aware that they exist. I'm aware <laughs> that the team use them. Um, but I just, I, I quite often have said to Jason, yep, print it out, stick it on pen and paper for me, <laughs> <laughs> write it down and I will action it because that, I just, I know, no, that's how I'm wired. I like nothing better than just old school pen and paper. Mm. I think lots of people are going quite retro now as more technology comes along, which is interesting. I wonder where it'll all lead. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about uh, creating a business where you didn't need to be in it. And, and, you know, that's something that people talk about all the time. They're working on the business piece. And one of my five fundamentals is about sharing. So who you get to help you get stuff done and, and you know, outsourcing and that sort of thing um what, what sort of tips have you got for that you've clearly cracked it <laughs> or cracked it more than the average person so tell us a bit more about uh, you know what, what you think is important there and, and and what people should be thinking about definitely i mean I, I i people always say look you get you get lots done and it's like well i do but i don't actually do much of it myself yeah. um i i organize it you know i'm i'm quite strategic um i'm always like I, you know i'm playing chess and i'm just I'm moving these pieces around the board, but I've also got systems and strategies that automatically move pieces around the board. Um, one of the biggest things, certainly we see with our own clients, is they they really struggle to let go of doing things themselves. And I, I remember doing this when I was you know first starting out. Um, Jason, my business partner, was actually my first hire. Um, he joined nearly 15 years ago now. Um, and that was just literally, I was at capacity. I could not work any more, any more hours. So I needed somebody just to lighten the load. Um, and I think having Jason was that realization that, yeah, if, if I'm one person, I've got a job. If I'm two, three, four people, I can just add more people and I can scale up and, you know, expand. So the first thing I would say is, look, work out what your hourly rate is. Um, that could be the hourly rate that you charge to your clients now. It could be the hourly rate that you're earning if you divide the number of hours you work by the, you know, the amount of money you're actually earning. Or it could be the amount of money you actually want to earn in an hour. You want to charge per hour. And then let go of absolutely everything that can be outsourced or given to somebody else or automated for less than that. So you know you, that, that then frees you up to focus on the the hundred pound an hour jobs or the, the thousand pound an hour jobs and stop doing your own bookkeeping. Um, stop cleaning your own house, stop cutting your own lawn, stop doing stuff. That's 10, 15 quid an hour jobs. Um, I remember I had a conversation with one of our clients last year and she was really, really reticent to hire. Um, and she was very successful. She was completely maxed out in her business. Um, and I remember saying to her, look, you need to get a cleaner in. Because she said, oh, I can't do this Thursday morning because I'm, I'm doing the housework. 
I said, yeah. get a cleaner in. <laughs> oh, I can't do that because I had a bad experience once. I said, you, you, you've got to let that go. You've just got to keep looking. This is the most important thing for you right now is to get yourself off cleaning and get someone else in. I said, would you pay someone? It turns out, I said, all right. I said, how much do you charge to your clients? What's your billable rate? Yeah. And she said, it's 90 pounds an hour. I said, okay. Would you pay someone 90 pounds an hour to push a hoover around your house? She said, no, of course I wouldn't. So well, that's what you're doing right now. I said, because every hour that you are pushing your own hoover around your own house, you're not billing a client 90 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> and it's it, just that realization that, you know, everything I do now or everything I plan the first thing that goes through my mind is who can I get to do this? Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be doing these things myself. There's certain elements like a lot of the copywriting that yes, I enjoy doing that. I love putting together marketing campaigns and thinking strategically and doing copywriting. I love doing that. And, but I don't, and I would just dip in every now and then. And I'll just say, actually, do you know what? I fancy writing this sales letter. Give, give that one to me. I'll do it this time. Yeah. But on a day-to-day basis, Rob looks after that. That's that's your bag, mate. That's that's all for you. I'll I'll look over it. I'll give you some advice. I'll help you out with it. But we're going to get more done. We're going to achieve more if I've got somebody full-time working on that. It hmm. doesn't matter. And I know a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, yeah, but nobody can do it as well as me. Nobody does it better than me. And that may be the case, but that doesn't mean that you can do it more effectively than anyone else. No. You know, I, I, there's certain things that yes maybe you are needed to do you know if you're if you're a heart surgeon uh you probably do need to do that yourself you probably can't outsource that to somebody else <laughs> you would hope but the majority of us i mean most people who start their own business actually didn't know how to do what they were doing when they yeah so someone else can and it's naive to think that there is nobody else doing, out there in the world who can do it anywhere near as well as well as you mm. Um, it, it is just a lot of it's fear of hiring, fear of making a mistake, fear of making a wrong hire. Yeah. Um, but with the, you know, the internet these days and, and outsourcing, the risk is actually very little because you can try someone out, you can give them a couple of hours, you can give them some dummy tasks and just see how they get on with it. If they fail, you take it back off them. You bring it back in-house. The, the risk is very little. You're yeah. not, you know, if you take someone on and you're going to pay them 20 grand a year, the risk is not 20 grand. You know, the risk is a couple of months salary before you know whether it's working out or not. Yes. Yeah. 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 So our time's running away with us. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to, to, to you, your, how you care for yourself, how you uh, keep yourself healthy, how you learn and improve and that sort of thing. I mean, um, I guess, again, things have changed in the last 17 years from from being in a corporate role to, to um, going through the, all the transition you have within your own businesses has that changed for you as well how you spend time on yourself absolutely I'm I'm now very very cautious if that's the right word very very yeah very aware of my own health um which perhaps I was actually working every hour of every day um, surviving on a diet of caffeine and booze, basically. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lovely picture of me that I included um, in the book, and it's it's from 2003, and it's it's a fat me picture. It's a before picture. Um, basically, I was not a picture of health. Uh, 
Wealth-wise, I was doing very, very well at the time. You know, I was earning more money than I'd ever had at this time. I was 24, 25 years old. But if I look at that picture now, I look, oh, I'd certainly look older than I am now. I'm 40 now. And I think I looked about 47 in that picture. Um, yeah. But it's, again, kids came along. You, re- you realize that actually you owe it to them to be around, to have energy. Um, and I noticed the big difference. Um, it all kickstarted for me about uh, four years ago now, just over four years ago. Um, I gave up alcohol. Um, I, I, for some reason, I'd gone right off it. I just wasn't enjoying drinking. And then one day I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink less. Um, yeah. Got a book about drinking less um, and ended up actually never drinking again. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this book basically brainwashed me into, uh, well, it didn't brainwash me. It removed the brainwashing of several decades of um, the alcohol industry's advertising. That um, actually, you know, it's, it's not nice. There's, there are no upsides to it at all. Um, I don't enjoy it. And so, yeah, I, I'm now four and a half years without a drop. And I, I really honestly don't miss it at all. No. But really, for me, kick-started a bit of a health kick. Um, I started juicing and I started going to the gym and I started eating clean. And that's now almost an obsession of mine in that I, when I'm planning out my, my week, I said about the immovable objects that go in there. Gym time is in there. It's one of my immovable objects. Um, sleep is very important to me. You know, I, I, (laughs) this won't surprise you, but I've got, I've got a sheet of paper in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've gamified my health. So I've got, a, I've got like a, a table. And if you picture along the top, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And along the, um, the Y-axis, you've got sleep, exercise, eat clean, nutrition, hydration. Yeah. And just each day, I just rate myself a one or two or a three for each of those. So if I've had eight and a half hours of really good sleep, that's a three. If I've had you know, five and a half hours of broken sleep, that's a one. Mm. if it's been yeah okay that's a two so two's a pass three's uh, a distinction and one's a fail and every day i just rate myself for each of those and i can then just see at a glance whether i've had a good day or a bad day whether uh, oh last week i, I really messed out on, mess, missed out on my sleep last week or christ i really didn't eat well last week yeah and it just when you're planning the next week and you think actually yeah I didn't get much exercise last week. Right, let's schedule in another gym session for this week. You can just adjust what you're doing based on the results. And I, I just, for me, again, it's, it's a sheet of paper. I know I respond to it. And I love the gamification of that in that if I can get a 13 or a 14 out of 15 most days, that's a good day. Mm-hmm. There's always something I can do. Even if I know, right, I'm going to be having a cheat day today and I'm going to be eating crap and I'm only going to get six hours sleep tonight and I'm not going to go to the gym. I at least know I can drink a shed load of water. Let's get hydration a three. Let's make that a three. You know, if nothing else, I can affect that. Yeah. And yeah, if nothing else, let's drink four liters of water and go to bed half an hour earlier. Boom. I've just, I've just given myself an extra four points that day. I love that. You've almost built in so that cheating <laughs> is good for you. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's got to be. I mean, again, um, I've heard Tim Ferriss say this. He doesn't do... Uh, moderation and, and I can't do moderation I'm either in or I'm out yeah yeah, so yeah the idea of having a square of chocolate per day does not sit well with me um <laughs> the bar or nothing would, is it 
it is. Yeah, it's, it's all or nothing for me. It's got to, you know, Saturday's a cheat day. The rest of the week is eating clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. You really are a Tim aficionado. He does the Saturday cheat days as well, doesn't he? <laughs> and yeah, Saturday, I think he calls it, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, what about um, learning and and improving yourself? You've you've changed a lot over um, the years, so you you must be well. You've already talked about books, just like me, books that you read, and then you know you have a new path as a result, sort of thing. So. Uh, any any more books you'd recommend or any particular development that you've done that you think is worth noting? Definitely. Uh, I mean, I've always got a book on the go. I've normally got three or four on the go. I've normally got a Kindle, a physical book, an audio book, and a podcast all on the go at the same time. So it all mashes into one. Um, one book that I've read uh, certainly in the last month, which is just absolutely, I don't want to say it's a game changer, but it's, it's very, very inspirational for me um this guy called neville wright and he founded kitty care the um, nursery chain um here in the uk they they sold out to morrison's in 2011 i believe Mm -hmm. um very very inspirational guy though um in that he's just a normal bloke um he suffered with dyslexia adhd um he grew up and you know his first business was a window cleaner he borrowed a ladder off his dad and he spent 37p on a bit of cloth to wipe the windows down with. And it's just a, basically it's a story of about, you know, on, I listened to it on Audible, uh, Audible and it's about 16 hours of how he turned this 37p piece of cloth into a hundred million pound cash. Wow. Um, he managed to build up a 30 million pound property portfolio on the side whilst growing the 70 million pound empire. And it just, it all started from, a window cleaning round and he was then a painter and decorator and then he started buying some properties and then they started doing up secondhand prams and it just everything compounded and it was just actually yeah he worked very very hard don't get me wrong but he just did simple stuff really really well and compounded all of his gains yeah i mean literally he kept saying oh at this point i think he said oh, listen just now he said um it was at the height of the 80s and the average UK wage was £7,900. They were earning £60,000. So they were earning 12 times roughly the national wage, but they weren't actually taking any of that. They were taking like 10% of their, their earnings and just leaving 90% back in the business to compound. And he just did that for 40 years. All right, yeah. I think actually, when you, when you look at it like that, you know, yes, he ended up with the mansion and the cars and the yeah, the hundred million pound empire. But he's achieved all of that just by, you know, he had, he had one shop. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't set up a chain of businesses all around the world. He had one shop. Yeah. Yeah. Which he sold for 70 million pounds. Um, just because every time he earned some money, he reinvested that money in, into generating more money. And yeah. I, just, I find the guy very, very inspirational. I'm actually, um interviewing him for my podcast hopefully on thursday of this week so we we've got it in the diary and i'm really really looking forward to it because i've got i've built him up in my head now as this this hero <laughs> that's how <like> we deliver <laughs> say. Yeah, um, they, they always say never meet your heroes don't they <laughs> well do send a link so that when we publish your pub- podcast we can put a link in the show notes to that that sounds oh, really interesting do. yeah we'll do, right. yeah Right, so we have four minutes to do what would have been the last four questions. So I'm not going to ask you about routines and rituals because you've talked a bit about that already. But I am going yeah. to ask you about what about if things don't go right on the, that day when it all goes wrong? What do you do? 
So I, I think I touched on it actually with the gamification just now. So if, yeah. if things aren't going right, what can I do well at? What, how, can I re- how can I limit the damage? Mm. So let's say if I know, okay, I'm, I'm not going to eat clean today. I'm not going to make it to the gym today. You know, I'm, I'm snowed in. What am I going to do? Okay, let's get some nutrients inside me. Let's get some veg. Let's get some fruit in. Let's, let's get some water on board and let's sleep. So put that into a business sense. It's against, you know, so what? Things are going to go wrong in the business. Things are always going to go wrong in the business. But what can you influence today? What can you, what do you need to cut out that you're doing now that actually isn't going to make a difference? Yeah. You know, if, if the crap really hits the fan in your business and you've suddenly got a crisis to deal with, sometimes you've got to accept crises happen. Mm. And You've got to accept that I can't have I can't deal with the crisis and have inbox zero. The two just aren't compatible. So let's deal with the crisis if that's the most important thing. Mm. It may the most important thing may be who can I find to deal with the crisis, who can I find to deal with my inbox, whilst I'm off discovering a different opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And what about those days when it, it has gone really right? So you end the day knowing you've had that chance to to live more. And that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things you want to do, not the stuff you have to do or should do. What does that day look yeah. like? Oh, I think I think that comes back to my key three areas. Again, it's family fun and it's growth. So mm-hmm. normally when I've done something in one or more of those areas, yeah. you know, if, if I do a big, big product launch, that's growth and I'm I'm on a high the endorphins are flowing there if I've had a, something that's a lot of fun um, then again that's been a good day and if I get to do quality stuff with the family not the day-to-day stuff but you know the real the stuff that you're going to remember in five years time yeah you know again you know, say we're recording this and this there is some snow in the UK so go off and create those memories actually you know you aren't going to be talking extenders together no you're going to be talking about the day that we built a snowman and the day remember we went sledging down the big hill and harry broke his arm yeah i remember that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much john for joining me it's been really interesting um but th- let people know how they can find out more about you certainly yes yeah. so the book is on amazon it's called big ideas for small businesses um, um i've actually put together a free chapter um if anyone wants to grab a free chapter it's at bigidea.co.uk forward slash john uh, and you can find me on facebook i'm on linkedin just search for john lamerton well thank you john as i say really appreciate it it's been great to talk to you fantastic thank you Joe. all the best stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed join power to live more calm membership today and make an investment in your future the power to live more calm membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation, and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists, and planners to keep you motivated, organised, and productive. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash getcalm. Use your power to live more.